welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, I have a non-financial planning related topic, but another one regarding wellness. Because as we know, and as we talked about before, the stresses on a business owner are different than the stresses on the average person. Uh, and to, to address that and what kind of stresses we're talking about and solutions for it, I brought Anna Spivak onto the show. She is the founder of Blueprint of Fit, and she helps high-performance individuals, specifically business owners, and a lot of people like them, to basically deal with the stresses on their minds and bodies that are that we are all subject to when we take the crazy leap that is entrepreneurship. And with that, here is my interview with Anna. Anna, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Oh, my pleasure. So Anna Spivak, tell us about a little bit about what it is you do. So I used to coach more uh, one-on-one individual coaching as far as like uh, people getting healthier with their eating habits, their physical physical activity habits, but more so the general habits as far as like sleeping, stress management, all those things that also are very important pieces of the puzzle as far as like overall wellness. And now I'm focusing more on working with companies because that's a way for me to work with larger groups and help more people. So corporate wellness uh, has become, I feel, a lot more important than it was before, especially with COVID where people are more isolated, they have less connection, less, they, you know, they see people a lot less than before. So I think there's a very, very big opportunity to put a point on how important it is to, to have that culture of corporate wellness within any, any company, no matter the size. So yeah. that's kind of like what I do. And absolutely. And totally a value. And I agree with you. There's a trend towards it because frankly, there's a problem. Um, yes. And I'm going to quote some statistics uh, throughout this interview, but in general, you know, if we look at what the cost of absenteeism to businesses in Canada alone, it's estimated to be in excess of $16 billion per year. Yep. And that, that's a number that's been increasing. Whereas the costs uh, were basically somewhere between 3 and 4% back in 2012. There are studies that have shown that that number is expected to increase to between 15 to 25% for, um, for by, sorry, by, to between 15 to 25% by 2022. It's largely due, I think it was something in the neighborhood of 70 to almost three quarters of it due specifically to issues that do with stress and the rest of it to do with disability. And when we talk about stress, it's not just workplace stress. You know, we have the entire concept of the sandwich generation of people who are taking care of both the seniors in their lives and the kids in their lives and the stress that that brings upon them, as well as the everyday to day life uh, issues of their of their business. So when we get started, let's let's talk about when you approach a business or when a mm-hmm. business finds you. You know, what's the general conversation about making them aware of the problem? And and then how do you help work with them to find a solution? So I like the, the thing that you mentioned that there is a conversation with every business that I speak to, because I don't have like one, you know, cookie cutter solution for every single business. You know, every single company, they have different needs, they have different cultures. So it's important to have that conversation to to understand what is it that they need and most importantly, what is it that their employees are going to participate in, that they're going to engage in? Because you don't want to just throw a solution and expect people to participate. You want to understand what is it that they're going to enjoy doing and what is it that they're going to stick around long term with. So for me, it's really important to first dig in 
and understand what's their culture. Have they ever had a wellness program? Um, are they interested in having one? And also make them realize that there are certain problems that they didn't even realize that they're having. Like, for example, absenteeism, burnout rates, turnover rates, you know, people not getting along as well. And that, of course, affects the company's profits at the end of the day because it's a domino effect. So it's sometimes it could be a little bit of like an unusual conversation because some companies, they don't even keep track of these KPIs. Like, for example, absenteeism, you know, medical medical costs down the line, if somebody leaves the company or somebody burns out, some companies don't even keep track of these things. And it's like, it's not because you don't keep track of it, that it's not happening. So companies are losing, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, depending on the company size, because of all of these elements. So for me, it's important to like have a conversation and ask these questions for, for them to understand that even if you may not be tracking it, these things most likely exist in your company and based on like how the conversation goes, if they're interested in potentially uh, putting together a wellness program um, or having a solution that's really customized to their needs, that's when I I go and do my work. I put together a few options that I feel would be the most beneficial for their teams, for their employees. And then I present, present it to them and then, then they kind of go off and figure out what is it that you know is within their needs, within their budget, all that stuff. But again, it all starts with a conversation, you know, with an honest conversation to understand what is it that they that they need, you know, for their culture. And individuals are different. It's it's like, you know, working with a person. Everybody's so different, you know, different lifestyles, different habits. Same thing with a company. It's important to understand what does that company need specifically to get them from like point A to B and help their employees make progress as a group. So so that's kind of that's kind of where it starts. So, you know, so it starts there. I mean, I, you mentioned the entire thing about they're not even aware of this. I mean, it, it's right. the old problem of what, what gets what gets measured gets done. If yep. you know, short of short of actually looking at statistics on a regular basis as to you know how many how many sick days were were capitalized on or how many unpaid sick days, whatever it is, you know, it's there's going to be an issue in recognizing that. And I would think if you if you're a company that actually does see that problem, it's probably because you've reached a critical mass issue, right? Yeah. No, no. So, so okay. So you've raised awareness. You work with them. You don't have a cookie cutter solution. It makes a lot of sense. So, give me the give me the example of like a you know some of the more common tent poles of the experience. You go into the company. You help them out with it. How does what what are the some of the key pieces that you deliver most frequently? Again, it depends on the company size because let's say I work with a company of let's say fifty to hundred employees. The, the approach is going to be different than working with a company where there's 50,000 employees because the company where there's 50 to 100 employees, as an example, I'm able to customize my approach a little bit more. I'm able to give programs that are more customized to the individual as opposed to working with a company where there's like tens of thousands. We're going to focus more on like group group programs, group coaching sessions, but still you know, have that contact with, with, with the people, but it's not going to be like one-on-one because there's just so many people. Um, but one of the most common things that uh, would fit pretty much any company are like group programs where people are able to kind of uh, move at their own pace through the content that is very digestible, of course, because for me, it's important for people not to have like analysis paralysis where they see that there's like a bunch of stuff to do and that they end up doing nothing. For me, I just give like every week little pieces of information, little pieces 
uh, of habits for them to work on and then give feedback. How did it go? How can we make it better? How can I help you struggle less? And uh, week after week, it's like it's like that saying where you get better one, you know, you get better one percent every single day. And at the end of the year, you know, you went from A to B just because you did those little steps every single day. And that's kind of my approach. But with like the group programs, uh, the great thing and the one of the most important things are, is we're able to kind of focus on building a community of people who are not only communicating with myself, but they're also communicating between each other. You know, they're able to kind of build relationships outside of a work setting, build trust and speak about things that are completely unrelated to work. And these are the things that end up making the work environment much more simple because people, you know, are a lot more comfortable with each other. They've had conversations that are completely unrelated to like what they work on on a daily basis. And this is what makes morale at work much better. It makes people uh, be less absent because they want to work with their with their colleagues. And at the, at the end of the day, it's like I said before, it's a domino effect. You know, you're less absent, you perform better, and that affects, you know, companies' bottom lines, which is less costs, more profits, and, and all, that's good, all that good stuff that companies are looking for. So it's really, you know, the focus is building trust outside of a work setting and having that connection, having that communication that right now people have don't have. Even before, like people were not really speaking to each other, colleagues were not speaking to each other that much. You know, mm-hmm. I'm speaking generally, of course, outside of a mm-hmm. work setting. But right now with COVID where people are, you know, they're locked inside of their home, only Zoom calls, they don't see each other as much. Like that connection has been probably cut in like 10 it's a fraction of what it, of what it used to be. So that just that sense of community, that sense of like being able to speak to people outside of like, for example, your own kids and building relationships with people that you work with, it's it's priceless. It's really priceless. Huh? So, yeah. So how are you with the current COVID environment? Like how are you in helping enable and solve for that problem? Because that is a unique challenge, right? You're not yeah. getting together for large group sessions. The, the communication is an issue. And even, even when this is done, you know, there's going to be plenty of people who uh, I shared, I, I saw a study the other day, for example, I think it was Salesforce published it. It was something to the effect of 20% of their staff wanted to come back full time, a full 25% of their staff wanted to remain remote full time. And the rest wanted some temporary couple of days a week presence in a physical office. So, you know, there's a lot of decisions being made to opt out and away from that. So from the, from the social aspect, 25% of those people, yeah. but you know, the majority, right. It was, it was, you know, through the math on that, it was 55% wanted the office predominantly for that kind of connection without the ability to do that now, and maybe a diminished capacity for doing that later. How are you helping solve for that? Well, I think that's where the possibility to have either these group calls with people out, you know, your colleagues, uh, besides having calls with, with myself, I think that's where the opportunity of building that community is at. Yes, we're not going to be able to do it in person, but I think we need to find solutions on how to do it virtually. I think it's it's extremely important. So it's not only about me throwing a program at a person and saying, go do it on your own time by yourself. It's really building a community of people who are all working on similar goals, getting healthier as far as like their eating habits, as far as like their physical uh, activity habits, their sleeping habits, all that stuff. And we're able to share wins together. We're able to to encourage one another through sharing 
you know, what we struggle with through sharing, sharing our experiences, our stories. And this is where that sense of community comes into play. And it's not because we're not able to do it in person that we shouldn't find a way to do it virtually. There are tons of ways to do it virtually. So that's kind of, that's kind of my approach. I've been doing virtual coaching for, for the last two years because in my mind, I, I like, I always realized everything, everything is going towards like people doing things online. And with the, mm-hmm. the fact that the pandemic hit, that kind of even solidified the fact that we need to have online solutions because like you never know, you never know what's going to happen. And even without the pandemic, mm-hmm. with people, people having different lifestyles, different schedules, you cannot expect everybody to always be available at the same time. Like people have kids, people have emergencies, people have families. It's important to make solutions available, but solutions that are very flexible as far as as far as time, as far as like availability, and people can access them whenever is is uh, appropriate for them. Especially right now, like I said, with COVID, everything is all over the place. So, so it's important to find solutions that we're able to apply virtually. More important than ever. Excellent. So, I want to shift from the focus of the general population to the unique mm-hmm. unique challenges of specifically the business owner. And yeah. you know, I'm going to start with the physical toll on these people. So, you know, just some some statistics that I'm getting randomly off the internet from relatively credible sources, I believe. You know, 78% of business owners, uh, specifically in startups, less than two years old, report a form of burnout. And that percentage, actually, yeah. believe it or not, you know, you think early on you're working this hard, it's going to be, you know, it's going to get better. That percentage actually increases over the next eight years to 86%. And I, I will say that, you know, as as, as a you know self-diagnosed workaholic. You know, I, I put myself in that situation myself on many occasions. Uh, talk to me about about basically the detriment of that uh, to the business owner and how you how you deal with them maybe differently than the rest of the population. And it, and just the one more thing to throw in here. You know, let's talk about the long term toll of that. Burnout is one thing, but you know, when you look at the actual statistics on say heart attack, the you know the probability of heart attack for a for for a, for a business owner is markedly higher than for the general population. So yeah. talk to me about you know how you prevent us from getting to the point where we actually need the triage from a surgeon. Yeah, well, it is very unfortunate the fact that we're still in a situation where people don't feel as comfortable of sharing the fact that they're even close to a burnout, and a lot of people are not even informed on how to how to point out the fact that they're they're almost getting close to a point where it's either depression or burnout. So it's still like it's not talked about enough, I find. And for business owners. Again, I'm generalizing for most of us, like we spend a lot of time by ourselves and human beings are meant to interact with other people. And whenever you spend a lot of time by yourself, especially when you're doing things that are out of the ordinary, out of the box, you spend a lot of time overthinking. So all of these things, plus the working hours can definitely lead you to a place where you think you're, you think you're not doing enough, but in reality, you are very close to burning out. and as far as like the impact on the business, of course, financially, it's going to have an impact on the business if, especially you're doing it by yourself. But even if you have a team and you're close to burnout, you're not able to lead as well. You're not able to be as creative whenever your brain is, you know, is almost on zero. So that's where, again, the the importance of having a community of people that you have access to, even one person that you could talk to, is extremely important because 
because it's important to kind of voice out the things that you're going through and not keep it to yourself. And I know a lot of people don't have that habit of sharing, of voicing out the struggles that you're going through, but it's extremely important because even if you might think, well, what is it going to help if I share my, you know, all of my negativity, all the things, all the bad things that I'm going through with another person, what is it going to do? It's not going to solve anything. Yes, it's actually, it's a form of release to actually verbalize the things that you're going through, at least they're not only stuck in your mind. So that's where, again, building a community of people that may or may not be going through the same thing or similar things as you is extremely important because at least you're going to have a source of people, one or two or 10, that you're going to be able to verbalize your struggle, your struggles with. And that's like, that's definitely going to help. It might help a little bit, but it's better than keeping it all to yourself and keeping it all stuck in your head. So I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's kind of like this. Well, I think, I think you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I think you went a little further into that. And, you know, you know one of the statistics I have in front of me is, is a, is a study done by uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association and uh, Business Development Canada, where you know 62% of business owners feel depressed at least once a week. And, you know, as a business owner, I will say I have had that. You know, it's a as I tell people all the time. You know, entrepreneurship is almost like a you know you're opting into a borderline uh, schizophrenic <laughs> option because you know it's full of it's full of highs yeah. and lows, and you know it's just it's just the course of your business, right? You do great yeah. one day, you have a terrible day the next, and and when when it's not something that you can just leave at the door because you can't leave right. your business at the door. It's a part of you. It is an absolute part of you. You know, it's, it's easy to let the business victories and defeats become your victories and defeats. Yeah. So what, one other place I want to go on this too is talking about the importance of, of sleep. And I'm, I'm talking about this in particular, it's a very poignant time because, you know, Goldman Sachs have been taking all kinds of uh, shots in the media about, you know, mm -hmm. people, you know, working hundred hour weeks, which yes, that is a thing. Okay. Like going back to even when I was finishing university, you took a job in investment banking, you can could, you could expect uh, 100 hour weeks. You took a job working for a large CPA firm mm -hmm. and as, a, as an article, as a student, you could expect 60 to 80 hour weeks. Like, you know, they really drive these people into the ground early on. Um, and and just to just to talk about you know the statistics on this this is this is actually a known fact. The I think it's the CDC has a stat here that says the equivalent of being awake for 24 hours and driving is the equivalent of driving with the blood alcohol content of point one uh, percent, which is higher than the actual legal limit in most states and most provinces. Surprised. Yeah. So so you know never mind the fact that performance drop off the performance drop off in the short term, which we we all no one works well when they're tired. Right. Exactly. There's the there's the hazard to your short term health and there's a hazard to your long term health. Can you speak to the to the importance of like structuring a balanced life where at least that is taken care of? Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people think that having a structured sleeping cycle means that you have to sleep like nine or 10 hours a day. It doesn't have to be that for some people, six, seven hours is enough. But the importance is to have like for your body to kind of expect when are you going to sleep? When are you getting up? And because whenever your body is kind of like one day you're sleeping at 10 p.m., the other day you're sleeping at 3 a.m., you're like obviously your body's going to be all over the place. And like you said, your performance is going to be affected, your decision making is going to be affected, the way that even your creativity is going to be affected if your sleeping patterns are all over the place. Because your sleep is whenever your body is recovering, not only physically, but also mentally. Okay. So mm -hmm. Why is that time, you know, for some people is considered 
you know, a luxury to sleep eight or nine hours when this is when you recharge. It's, for example, you know, you're driving a car and the fuel is going down to almost zero. Well, you're not you're not telling yourself if I fuel it up, it's like it's a luxury for the car. No, like the car needs it to run properly. The car needs it for you to not run it, run it into the ground. And it's the same thing for, for your, your sleeping habits. Like you need to figure out how many hours or whatever, how many for some, like I said, for some people, five hours might be enough. Other people, it's like six, mm-hmm. seven or eight. Figure out what is you know, what is a proper number of hours for yourself and try to stick to like a regular schedule of going to sleep and getting up just so that your body knows what to expect. And there's a certain level of regularity for this habit. Okay. Because if, like I said, if you're sleeping is all over the place, one day you sleep at 8 PM, the other day at 4 AM, then you're going to have crashes during the day where you want to take a nap. Then if you take a nap in the evening, you're not going to be able to fall asleep as fast. And this is a stuff that gets you all over the place as far as like your performance, the work that you're able to get done, the decisions that you're able to take properly. So it's it's definitely a domino effect. And the bottom line is that sleep is not a luxury. It's not an option. It's a necessity for your body to recover physically, mentally, emotionally, and for you to be able to perform at your best day in and day out. So yeah. well, that's kind of like the, the conclusion here for the sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's funny. This is a topic that comes up quite frequently because many people accuse me of never sleeping. I think, uh, and, and I've I've actually I've actually said nope, and actually and literally sent them screenshots from my uh, my um, Apple Health app where everything is tracked, and mm-hmm. and they're just like, how is it possible you're getting seven to eight per night and doing all this? Well, you know mm-hmm. that's that's my own that's my own witchcraft. But I mean yeah. it's also important to recognize too that I mean I think a lot there was an entire period of time where especially in like. The world of startups and starting your own business where you know lack of sleep was seen as like almost a badge of honor when you know now mm-hmm. our, our our biological understanding of what our understanding of what happens biologically to your to you when you sleep is far greater i mean we, we know now that it basically helps you store new information it actually helps flush out you know basically for lack of a better term toxins from your brain altogether uh and help your your nerve cells kind of reorganize themselves and and affects everything from you know restoration of, of your muscles and yep. molecules in your muscles to hormones, right? So the reality is, is that it's, it's, it's the repair cycle for your body. Yep. And if you don't have the repair cycle for your body, just like if you keep on ignoring the flashing light that says you need oil, sooner or later, that engine's going to break down. hundred percent. You know, and there's the financial toll, of course, that that takes, but you know, the other, the other toll that it takes is on our, on our personal affairs, on our personal lives. I mean, the, the, uh, what was the stat here? The divorce rate. So this is a U.S. divorce rate, which was basically over fifty percent for divorces. But that that rate, big surprise for business owners, is also greater. Uh, you know, likely likely due likely due to uh, you know some of various factors such as the stress we tend to bring home as as business owners, and then you know the the increased hours that we also do. But there's there's a real human side. Like besides besides the impact on yourself, it's the impact on everybody else around you. So. You know, give me, can you get me share with me any kind of stories of kind of, I'm not going to, you know, belittle them, but, you know, the really kind of bad situations you walked into, uh, situations where people were like, literally, they kept going this way, they weren't going to survive. And and how you kind of, co- besides the development of the network, how you coach them out of it and how you, how, you know, what the end result was, you know, however many years it took to get there. So are we talking about like entrepreneurs or like a regular person? Let's talk about entrepreneurs in particular. That's, that's the podcast. I mean, regular people are entrepreneurs too, but let's talk about entrepreneurs. You know, that's the podcast. Yeah. And and specifically, like, give me give me your victory cases. What are, what are the what are the great success stories that you've done? 
Absolutely. So I did um I did one-on-one coaching where it's not corporate wellness. I'm working with like one-on-one individuals and uh and that kind of situation. And one of my victory cases was a woman who was she was an entrepreneur and she came to me because not only she was about like 30 pounds overweight, but also she felt the fact that she had gained, you know, all this weight over the years because she kind of put her health physical and mental and emotional on the back burner. And she had a partner that she felt like the relationship was dwindling down because her confidence wasn't where it used to be. She Uh really felt defeated and she didn't like, she didn't know what to tackle first. So we kind of went step-by-step because for me, I come from an approach of like, you know, bettering yourself 1% every day. And I want to make the coaching very digestible so that people are able to kind of apply it without feeling overwhelmed. So it's really step-by-step until we get to a place where we make more and more challenging steps forward. So it was about, uh, I worked with her for actually um, eight months, eight months, and she did lose a little over 30 pounds actually, but that was, that was win number one. But the wins that came afterwards were the ones that I'm kind of like looking for, where her relationship with her partner got to a place where she felt like they were the first day that they met. So that's like one of the biggest wins. She felt extremely confident about her body. She ne- Before she started working with me, she never felt confident about going to, to a gym. She felt like people were judging her. She felt like people were like staring at her. Once we were done working together, it was she could not live without going to the gym because it became part of her lifestyle. Because we got her, I got her, well, through our work together, we were able to get her to a place where it became an organic habit to go and work out not only for your, for your physical health, physical health, but also to show yourself that you're able to push yourself to places where you never thought possible. Okay. Because for some people going to the gym might be like, you know, it's a daily thing. It's normal for other people. They're extremely scared and everybody's got their own reasons. And that's just one element that we were able to completely break through on. The other thing with her partner, she also, once they got to a better, much better place where, you know, they felt like, you know, like the first day that they met, like they fell back in love with each other because she found confidence in herself. Her partner saw all that confidence. And of course, that's extremely attractive. So after, you know, almost close to the time we were done working together, they were planning on having a child (laughs) because, you know, they were in an extremely great place. So these are the wins that I am looking for whenever I work with somebody, because to me, yes, we're getting your nutrition to a better place, your, you know, your physical activity to a better place, but it's all the stuff, all the wins that come afterwards. It's a complete domino effect that you know a lot of people don't even realize it affects your relationship with yourself you know your confidence your relationship with your significant other and and all of these great things that once you break through the fears and and the walls that you've set for yourself over the years once you break through all these things like there's so many amazing wins on the other side of that wall you just have to like put in the work to to get there so it's all that domino effect that I'm looking for whenever I'm starting to work with somebody. And have you noticed any kind of market difference between, say, between the genders when it comes to this issue, when it comes to wellness and in the workplace? You know, is is are the, the demands worse on one or the other? Is the approach or attitudes different? How's it? How's that change? I think women are a little bit more in touch with, like, um, as far as like, let's talk about like surface 
surface things like for example weight and all that there's i feel like there's a lot more pressure on women uh you know to be a certain shape to be a certain size to be a certain weight and all that so women just because of like the social media and all that stuff they're a lot more aware of like the things that they don't really feel comfortable with so that's gonna push them to perhaps look for more solutions not for everybody but i'm generalizing but for men it's kind of like you have to dig deeper for them to realize that there's a problem that they did that they weren't even aware of for women it's mm. like they're aware that there's a problem they're just not sure where to start they're not sure how to tackle it they're not sure how to go about it but for men before we even get to you know how do we tackle it how do we fix it we need to like have a deeper conversation to make the person realize that there's you know medical problems that there's you know problems as far as like your relationship with your with your significant other all these things that mm -hmm. i feel women take a little bit more time to be aware of and think about. So again, I might be generalizing, but you know, I've worked with a lot of women uh, and men, and this is what I have noticed, you know, from all of the time that I've done that. Fair enough. Anna, thank you very much. This was uh, this has been enlightening and great, and I'm grateful for your taking the time to come in. This is, uh, you know, frankly, <laughs> as I tell everybody when we do financial planning, is if you don't have your health, it doesn't matter what I put on the page or what numbers I crunch. 100%. So, I, you know, end of the day, we have to take care of ourselves, and <laughs> and I say that with someone who's smiling because I need to take better care of myself, but I make more <laughs> gains when I can. Um, so, where can people find you? So the best thing uh, to do is either. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. My name is Anna Spivak. I don't know if you could put that somewhere in there, but I'll spell it out. It will be in the show notes. Go right ahead. So my last name, S-P-I-V-A-K, Spivak, and Anna with two N's. Uh, the best thing to do is uh, to reach out to me, either Facebook or Instagram. And for me, before I take the time to have like a full-blown conversation about what you need, blah, 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 and all that stuff, I take five minutes to see if I can even help you. Because if there's no for me to help you, then there's no point in me taking up an hour of mm -hmm. the person's time or my own time. Uh, so that's one way to to uh, to find me. The other way, of course, is through email. So it's Anna at BlueprintToFit.com. That's and uh, I respond uh, very quickly. But even from there, from e from the email, I'm most likely going to ask to either have a phone call or a video call for you know me to get to know you, you to get to know me, to see that I'm a real person, and mm -hmm. to have like a quick five minute chat for me to even see if I can even help the person or the company before we go anywhere else. So, um, so those are the best two ways to, to reach me. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Jason. And that was today's episode of Financial Plan for Canadian Business Owners. I hope you enjoyed that. And please, uh, of all else, take care of yourself. There's an old saying that basically says, there's a reason why they tell you to put the mask on yourself before you do it to the person next to you when the plane's going down. If you ain't yeah. taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever is your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Siri, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.